Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Folks, we're going on grid. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. The story that keeps on giving the Houston Astros, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, and now we have the best player, perhaps, in the history of the NBA weighing in on his opinion. Fantasy Sports Today starts now. It's Fantasy Sports Today. Good morning. Welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Frank Stample here on the show. Great to be with you and see you for the next two hours here on Sports Grid TV. Of course, we have Chris Pavona producing the show. Frank will join me momentarily. And of course, Dan Strafford is on our Sports Grid update. So good morning. It is another day in fantasy. And Frank and I are going to dive into the second base rankings in fantasy in 2020. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. But first and foremost, Again, will this story ever go away? Apparently not. Uh, All kinds of players over the last few days have been chiming in on everything that's gone on with the Houston Astros. In fact, Giancarlo Stanton of the New York Yankees had his words today. Yesterday it was Aaron Judge. Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, apologizing for calling the World Series trophy essentially a piece of metal. And then, above it all, we have... King James, LeBron James, who basically says at this point that if he was a player in Major League Baseball or if he was a player in any sport and this had happened to him, he would think that there would be more repercussions from this. And look, I think that a lot of us are are starting to come around to this and feel the same way. I guess what we have to ask ourselves at this point, can anything more be done? Should anything more be done? Is it enough to have this outcry of players saying that the Astros essentially should be vacating their World Series title. Would the commissioner dare go down that road at this point after saying that this is it? The players are immune to all of this? Will anything change? Certainly seems like we could be headed down that road. We'll talk about that next. Frank Stample will join us. But first, here's Dan Strafford with this Sports Grid update. Sports Grid News Update. Well, Craig, some potentially big Major League Baseball news. <clears throat> Chris Bryant <clears throat> expects to remain with the Cubs in 2020 after a sit-down with team president Theo Epstein. Bryant was quoted as saying, quote, everything went great, according to Gordon Whitmire 
of the Chicago Sun-Times. Quote, it was the best meeting I had with the superior. He just gave me insight as to what kind of happened in the offseason. And quote, Brian also added that he spoke with new manager David Ross about the possibility of leading off this year. The Cubs and San Francisco Giants are also pushing ahead with pay raises for minor league players this season. That's days after Major League Baseball mandated salary bumps beginning in 2021. As you just alluded to, Craig, Los Angeles Lakers star LeBron James on Tuesday weighed in on the Houston Astros sign-stealing scandal and Rob Manfred's handling of the situation, urging Major League Baseball's commissioner to, quote, fix this for the sake of sports. Trey Turner confirmed Tuesday that he has spoken to Nationals manager Davey Martinez about moving from leadoff to the number three spot in the lineup. The Nats will work Victor Robles at the top of the lineup in spring with the hopes he can secure that spot, making Turner available at the three. In the NBA, we may get a, quote, parting of the ways to kick off the post-All-Star breaks. Break games in Cleveland. According to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, the Cavaliers and John Bayline will part ways with J.B. Bickerstaff Jr. being promoted to the top position. Bayline is expected to say goodbye to staff and players sometime this afternoon as they return from the All-Star break. Wojnarowski is reporting Bayline and the Cavs negotiated a financial settlement. Wojnarowski also reporting on Tuesday that after agreeing to a contract buyout with the Pistons, guard Reggie Jackson plans to sign with the L.A. Clippers upon clearing waivers. And in the NFL, the Seahawks have signed tight end Greg Olson, formerly of the Panthers, $5.5 million in guaranteed money, $7 overall, $7 million overall contract. And Drew Brees will return to the Saints. He announced that on Instagram. I'm Dan Straffer, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. All right, thanks very much, Dan. And Craig Mish back with you, along with Frank Stamfold. Frank, it is great to see you. Great to hear you. Great to talk to you. Good morning. What's going on, Craig? This is uh, this is fun. We finally get to uh, see each other somewhat face-to-face, I guess you could call this. Uh, I'm so used to looking at the picture of you, but but this is nice. I like what you got going on. I, I like the little little hairdo you got going on as well. You know, how how's everything going? How hairdo. is how how is your Wednesday Not going? Happy hump day. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Thanks for bringing up the hair. First time here on the show. <laughs> can we go back, Pavona, and delete this out of the uh, on-demand portion? You can make fun um, of my hair yeah, as no, well if everything... you want. <laughs> Yeah, everything is good. No, if I could just borrow some of that right there and take it and put it on mine, it'd be great. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, it's interesting that, you know, one of the parts that's fun about spring training for me is, you know, is is honestly the last few years, and it's really deflating at this point, kind of thinking it through, because uh, some of the, the best players in baseball, Frank, over the last few years have come out of the Houston Astros organization. I mean, the Astros have been the pinnacle of both reality and fantasy. And a couple of years ago, uh, on a previous show, I did an exercise, we did an exercise, me and my co-host, that literally we went round one through about 13 and picked all, we went back and picked all Astros. And if we had done that, we would have won the league, no question about it. It was like taking uh, maybe Altuve in the first round, Springer in the second. This goes back a couple of years, remember. So Correa in the third, Bregman in the fourth. Uh, I think it was Verlander's first year there, or maybe it was coming off the year that he had. And you could do all these things and you could win a championship. And so part of that was always, for me, going to the ballpark of the Palm Beaches since they've been open over the last couple of years, 15 ballpark of the Palm Beaches, and going there and speaking to all these guys. But it is a bleep show still. Like every single day, there's like a new thing happening. And I get it. Like this is the big story in sports. There's no question. And I and I get it and I understand it. And I kind of feel the same way that a lot of other people do. But from our purposes, <laughs> Frank, you know, I'm I'm waiting to try and get a little bit past this 
so we can get to the fantasy aspect of this. And in the draft that I'm involved in now, I, you know, I put my money where my mouth is, so to speak. I took Alex Bregman in the first round. I still believe that this guy is going to have a huge year. But like, is there an over under prop for how long we we continue to talk about this? Like, is it just is this just going to go on for five months, Frank? Is this ever going to go away or no? It's never ending, Craig. It's never going to end. And especially when you look at uh, what's going to happen this upcoming season in terms of, you know, players getting hit by pitches. And I think that there's going to be, you know, frankly, there's going to be altercations on the field, too. So they're trying to get out ahead of this right now and and, and kind of uh, lay down some ground rules in terms of uh, managers being... Um, you know, held responsible and accountable for the actions of the team. Uh, so, it, it, look, we've heard it from a bunch of players already. Nick Markakis said he wants to come out and, and basically, you know, beat the bleep out of everyone on the Houston Astros. And John Carlos Stanton speaking about it. I, I think, especially the first couple of weeks in spring, like this is not going to go go away anytime soon. And then once we get to the play, you would think that that would help things here, Craig. But again. If players start getting hit by pitches and then there's retaliation from the Astros and, you know, players sliding in hard into second and third base, whatever it might be, like there is going to be brawls this year in baseball. There is every single year without situations like this with the Houston Astros. And I think it's even more likely now going to happen. So maybe not specifically, you know, just talking about the cheating over and over again, but just revolving around the Astros. This is not going to go away because there's going to be things that happen in season as well uh, to their players, to their pitchers. Uh, I don't think that this is going away anytime soon. Perhaps the only thing that can make it go away is if they win. And that's something that you have brought up as well. Uh, And if they just shut everyone up and they just continue to win amidst everything that's happening, they could just tell everyone, hey, look, we are as good as we said we were. We didn't need to cheat to win. That's probably the only way that people are going to stop talking about this. And uh, that's not going to happen until obviously... The season starts and and we get the uh, the games underway here, Craig. Yeah, and um, you know I think that's it's it's very well said, no doubt about it. You know I have a good relationship with that organization because they've now been here in South Florida where I am for a few years, and you know I'm 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 waiting to go in there and look. I and it's like how could I not do my due diligence by going in there as a reporter and and ask the same sort of questions that everybody else is and i get it that's a big part of this that's what everybody wants to know for our purposes it really doesn't mean anything that's what's so unique about this fantasy to reality when we have a story like this and a few years ago i recall doing uh fantasy baseball shows as well this goes back frank i think about seven or eight years where we had it wasn't a work stoppage but we just had kind of a later start to the season while the cba was getting worked out like and that doesn't affect fantasy either. So it's like my reality world and my fantasy world are sort of come uh, crashing here a little bit. But I'm hopeful that this Saturday, uh, the Washington Nationals and Houston Astros, they open up against each other. And I'm hoping to go there and see if if we can uh, you know, get sort of the fantasy perspective of this rolling a little bit. Uh, real quick, we have a lot to get to here on the show. You heard Dan Strafford, uh, Frank, in the update. Want to touch on this. Uh, Trey Turner batting third. I know a lot of people are doing... You know, starting to do these drafts right now, uh, uh, trending up, trending down for you with with Trey Turner in the three spot. Less steals, I, I would suppose, right? But maybe more home runs, maybe more runs driven in. Yeah, I would think that this is a trending down for Trey Turner. We saw this a couple of years ago out of Ronald Acuna when he was batting cleanup with the Atlanta Braves. His stolen base total started to go down as well. And look... You might get more home runs, more RBI production out of Trey Turner. That's not what you want Trey Turner for. You want Trey Turner for a good batting average, good stolen bases, and good runs scored. If he's batting third, maybe he doesn't run as much, Craig. I think it's trending down. 
All right. We will discuss Trey Turner and a whole lot more. But first, it is time for a little three up, three down. That's next here on Sports Grid on Fantasy Sports Today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. Three up, three down. What does three up and three down mean to you, Airman? End of an inning. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It's time to play a little game of three up, three down. These are our trending up and trending down topics for the day. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, I'll start off, Frank. Uh, First of all, the NCAA looks like they're changing their rule in 2021. They're going to allow players to transfer without having to sit out a year. Now, I know that this is going to open up a lot of controversy and a lot of discussion where they really, you know, they kind of put that rule in so players wouldn't be able to just go wherever they want. But let's be honest. Uh, They've decided that they are going to uh, pay college players to a degree. It's still not going to be enough. Let these kids go wherever they want to go. If you get to a situation in college where the coach signs you right you, you sign with him on signing day you give the verbal commitment and then you on signing day you sign and then he goes and goes to another place and you're stuck and the coach goes it's ridiculous so i like the idea of it especially within division one we're starting to see this more and more and now i'm glad that this is going to be opened up for everyone so no waiting and the ncaa i think is doing the right thing here so we could talk about finally something that's a good job here by sports um, also, uh, interesting report this morning, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. with a chance to play first base for the Toronto Blue Jays. Gurriel is already a player in fantasy that's been trending up based on the second half of the season that he had last year. It was interesting that it seems like he had some issues. I don't want to say yips. Maybe that's going a little bit too far, but he did have some issues going from second to first. And they kind of moved him around a diamond a little bit. And look, you look at first base for the Blue Jays right now. Uh, I'm a believer in Travis Shaw. I think he will bounce back, and they have some backup options there. Drury is a possibility, but having Gurriel getting some first base eligibility too, a definite player who is on the rise there. You could make the case that the Blue Jays have four top young players in all of Major League Baseball, and Gurriel is definitely one of those. And then finally, Josh James of the Houston Astros is now a candidate to be the Astros' fifth starter, which is pretty cool. Uh, Josh James, for a lot of people who don't know, uh, went to a high school which is around the corner from me in Hollywood, Florida, and really was never thought of to be a major league player, let alone a minor league player. He was taken very late in the draft and was found that he had sleep apnea and fixed it. And all of a sudden, his body felt better, started throwing a lot harder. And you saw how he did in 2018. And I know the results really weren't there in 2019. And part of that is injury. And that is part of Josh James's history is injury. But he, along with Austin Pruitt, who came over from the Rays, and Framber Valdez, who's had a little bit of an uneven starting and relieving experience with the Astros, are definitely in that mix. Aside from all of the the cheating stuff and everything going on with Houston, they still have a very good team. Make no mistake about it. Whoever ends up getting that fourth and fifth spot, even if they're only a five-inning pitcher, is going to give you some fantasy value in the 2020 season. And with that, I will send it over to Frank for his things that are trending up on Fantasy Sports Today. Frank? 
Thanks, Craig. And before I jump in, I just wanted to touch on the uh, Josh James story that you gave us there real quick. And I think it's really interesting whenever we bring up the human element, things that happen, you know, off the field that might affect someone from a fantasy sports perspective. Uh, And Josh James, last year, 61 innings pitched over 14 Ks per nine, 16% swinging strike rate. So I'm in agreement with you. Uh, Definitely someone that I'm interested in. And for reference, uh, people out there doing draft and hold drafts right now, Craig, I know you're one of those people. He went in the 21st round of this current Draft Champions League that I am taking part in. Again, that is Josh James. All right, let's start off. My my first uh, trending up topic here, Craig, is Alex Reyes is working on a starter schedule ahead of Grapefruit League action here, uh, which is interesting because for years we've been trying to uh, get fantasy value out of Alex Reyes, former top prospect with the St. Louis Cardinals. He's just been ravaged by injuries. He threw 41 in the third innings last year between the minors and the majors, but has continuously dealt with arm trouble. With uh, I know he dealt with a lat injury a couple of years ago, and, and he throws hard, and he has a wipeout slider. It would be awesome to get him in that rotation for the Cardinals, and I, I think that they can use him too because as of now, looking at that rotation, It is not one that I'm excited about. We spoke about that a little bit yesterday, Craig. Uh, I think the Cardinals need a shot in the arm like that with Alex Reyes. So we'll pay attention to that throughout spring. uh, And hopefully he can get an opportunity to make the rotation for the St. Louis Cardinals. Next story we have here is Martin Gallegos of MLB.com believes that Franklin Barreto has a great chance of making the A's opening day roster out of spring, uh, spring training. And why is this trending up? Look at what he did in the minors last year. Again, the guy has mashed every level that he's been in the minors. Last year, he did the same thing in 2019 in AAA. 295 batting average, 19 home runs, 15 stolen bases. He has that power-speed combination. He's had a few opportunities with the Oakland A's throughout the years, but never consistent playing time. I would like for them to either give him or Jorge Mateo just an opportunity to play every single day and see what these kids can do uh, when they're not constantly worrying about, oh, am I going to get benched? Am I going to play today? Uh, uh, In his major league career, 80 games, has a 189 batting average. Again, that is Franklin Barreto of the Oakland A's. And my last trending up topic here, Craig, I don't know if you saw this. This comes uh, from Barstool Sports. A heroic stripper fell 15 feet from a pole and is headed for a new career as a food critic. So, redemption story here. And if you click on the link, if you found this on Barstool or if you've seen it somewhere else, this is scary stuff, man. She falls like 15 feet from the sky here, Craig. And while she is down on the ground, after falling, continues to dance. She continues to twerk. I mean, this is really impressive stuff, but she's leaving that behind. She's moving on from stripping, from exotic dancing. Uh, She wants to move into a career as a food critic. And uh, her name is Janaea Skye. And Wendy Williams has donated $10,000 to her to help uh, move her in the right direction of her new career path here. Uh, Again, that is my third and final trending up topic. I don't know if you, you saw this link or, or you watched the video here, Craig. There's some really crazy stuff with the stripper falling off the pole, man. Yeah, you know, Frank, uh, not all heroes wear capes. Sometimes <laughs> they fall from stripper poles. I've heard that uh, before. Okay, uh, and by the way, Alex Reyes, I want to speak on him for a minute. I've known Alex for a long time. Um, I'm going to say about five, six years now. I'll tell you right now that that if there was ever a player that could get things figured out health-wise. And throw. I, I have never seen a guy's stuff better than Alex Reyes in the last 10 years. No pitcher in the big leagues. Followed him coming up in the big leagues, went to his rehab starts, 
in the minor leagues when he went to Jupiter. I made that drive just to see him uh, pitch in a rehab start in single A. The best stuff, bar none, of any minor league pitcher that I have seen. None. Last 10 years. And it would be amazing to see him uh, somehow get back healthy and get into the rotation. I'm rooting for him, no doubt. All right, uh, trending down for me, uh, Lark Voorhees. If you don't know that name, you probably it's okay because this is a name going back 20, 30 years. Uh, yes, that's right, uh, Bavona. Lisa Turtle. Sussman probably knows her too. Uh, she was not invited to the Saved by the Bell reunion show. Apparently Saved by the Bell, like every other show, is doing uh, you know, another series. You know how they bring these back. The 90210 was a complete disaster. They're going to try Saved by the Bell here. And it's going to be on the new streaming Peacock Network, the NBC Network, you know, Peacock. Let's not get too graphic there. Uh, <laughs> apparently, you know, sadly, she has some mental health issues. Of course, that's no laughing matter. But it is kind of sad to see her not there. And, of course, Screech, Dustin Diamond, is not part of that as well for uh, something that you can Google. Not going to get into that on the show. Uh, also trending down, Jason Witten going to keep playing. Let me, let me keep track of this here. So Jason Witten plays for the Cowboys, retires. Goes to the booth, unretires, plays for the Cowboys, and now is going to play for another team. Okay, sounds good to me, but why? I mean, Jason Wynn, you've had a great career, probably a Hall of Famer. I'm not sure why you, you're keeping this going. Um, I get it. This is another story, Frank, sadly, of you can't tear the jersey off the player. This is one of those situations where I think in, in Witten's heart of hearts realizes that broadcasting is probably not an option for him. It's probably not an option for me either, Jason. Don't feel bad. I'm lucky to be here as well. But let's be honest. What are you going to accomplish with the Giants next year? Um, finally, trending down. If you follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish, I told you guys this a month ago. Yasiel Puig is taking free agency like an absolute joke. Uh, over a month ago on Fantasy Sports Today, Bavona can, can attest... I said, do not draft this player. I don't know that he's going to play this year. Yasiel Puig could sign today. He could sign tomorrow. He could not sign the entire season. The guy's not taking it seriously. Teams are calling. He's not even calling them back, asking for ridiculous amounts of money. Puig is the kind of guy that I could absolutely see not playing in 2020 or playing tomorrow. It's that wacky. Back to you, Frank, for trending down. Turning down, my first topic here is DJ LeMay, who says that he and the Yankees have had no contract extension talks. Now, there's still an opportunity that that can happen, uh, but he is going into the final year of his contract. He signed a two-year contract last year. The reason I have this trending down is because as a Yankees fan, I, I would love to see him remain with the Yankees. And from a fantasy perspective, you would love to see him remain in Yankee Stadium. His swing is just built for Yankee Stadium. We're going to talk about LeMahieu a little bit later on here on our second base preview. My second trending down topic here, Craig, I don't know if you're a fan of Bloody Marys. I, for one, am not, but Frank Frank's Red Hot is releasing a Bloody Mary in a can. I love Frank's Red Hot. I love alcohol. Not a fan of the Bloody Mary, especially the Frank's Red Hot in a can. I'm going to pass on that. That's a trending down topic for me. And last but not least, something we're also going to talk about later on in the show here, Craig. Trending down. That's Craig Mish's Tout Wars draft and hold team. Just looking at this draft right now, Craig. Oh no! I don't know, man. We we've got some work to do. That's that's my final uh, that's my final trending down topic. What do you have to say for yourself, Craig? Well, I mean, look, I mean, Frank, you're a good fantasy player, and you know, I have a lot of uh, have a lot of respect for you. You know, certainly. And if I'm blowing a draft, I'm blowing it. But <laughs> the good news is, is that there are some people in the league that have no shot 
And so it'll be a respectable finish for me. I, I highly doubt I will finish last in the league. But uh, look, you know, I mean, I, I kind of struggled to get some pitching here and I took pitching back to back. Maybe that was not the way to go. But I think I feel pretty good overall with my team. Perhaps you don't. We'll dive into that a little bit later on the show. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish along with Frank Stanfield here on the show. We got plenty more to come as we'll take a quick time out. And when we return, we're going to start diving into our second base fantasy baseball preview. That's next here on Sports Grid on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. to left center field. Wilgerson back. I, I don't know. Goodbye home run. I, I just you cannot imagine this happening in the end of right field Mancini going back on the ball by Torres way back up and I don't even know. Oh, Way back left field. You gotta be I swear to the Lord, you got to put four fingers up when Torres comes to the plate. Because when he comes around third, it's too late. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish and Frank Stample. That was the story all of last year with Gliber Torres. Uh, you know, John Carlos Stanton earlier today. I could have a lot to say about John Carlos Stanton, by the way. Some good <laughs> stories for you, Frank. Remind me one day to tell you. I'm looking forward uh, but to it. But John Carlos Stanton said, yeah, I, I, I got some stuff. Uh, Giancarlo Stand earlier today said that if he knew what was coming, then he probably in 2017 when he won the MVP could have hit, I think he said could, could have hit 80 home runs. Um, what would the Baltimore, what would Gliber Torres have done playing against the Baltimore Orioles for 162 games last year? I would ask you. Oh, my gosh. Well, he ended up hitting 13 home runs in 18 games. So, I mean, if we do a little uh, quick math, we're looking at triple-digit home runs if Glaber Torres only played against the Baltimore Orioles. And, of course, if he knew what pitch was coming as well. I mean, it seemed like he knew what pitch was coming every time he stepped to the plate against the Baltimore Orioles last year. The guy was just insane. The problem is, will he do that again this year against the Baltimore Orioles? And will he get better against other teams not named the Baltimore Orioles here, Craig? Yeah, and I think that's where we can start here uh, with our second base uh, rankings in 2020. And so I would ask you this, Frank. I mean, this dude hit 38 home runs and you don't have him ranked as your top fantasy second baseman in 2020? I mean, I, I don't understand how that's even possible. It qualifies as second, going to play shortstop. You can move around in the infield in these leagues where it's a day-to-day -day league. You have so much position flexibility. What gives? How is he not your number one? 
Yeah, so I think it just goes back to that Baltimore Orioles story, Greg. Uh, Craig. I do have some question marks here when it comes to Glaber Torres. Last year, he had a 15-12 OPS against the Baltimore Orioles with 13 of his 38 home runs. And against every other opponent, he had a 786 OPS last season and 25 home runs, which is still very good. But if you're telling me we're getting uh, a, a 786 OPS player, even let's call it an 800 OPS player, that's not worth a third-round pick, in my opinion. And look, I have Ozzy Albies, and I have, uh, I also have Kettle Marte ranked ahead of Glaber Torres this upcoming season. And that's because I like grabbing my speed. I like grabbing the batting average earlier on in drafts. And Glaber Torres is going to give you power. There's no doubt about it. I think he's probably going to give you 30 to 35 home runs uh, once again this year. He's probably going to hit 270 to 275, which is fine. He doesn't hurt your batting average. He just doesn't help it. Later on in drafts, and we've spoke about this a ton, Craig, you can find power late in drafts. Kyle Schwarber, Fran Reyes, uh, Chris Davis. I want to build batting average and stolen bases early in my drafts, and that's why I have Kettle Marte and Ozzy Albies ranked ahead of Glaber Torres. If you want power and a 270 to 275 batting average, then Glaber Torres is your guy. And uh, based on how you have Glaber Torres ranked, Craig, I think that that's probably what you're looking at in that third round range. Yeah, I, I think so, and and that was uh, Frank's rankings in terms of the uh, second base position. So good luck to you, Frank, with those rankings. We'll see how that works out. All right, uh, my rankings. Let's pull those up here. We'll take a look at the second base position. Uh, I have Torres first, of course. I am not all that worried about Jose Altuve. Uh, I think that he uh, slots in second. And so throughout our shows in spring training, uh, you know, people are going to accuse me of boosting up Marlins. You'll see that will not be true in this particular case. This is the best player the Marlins have on their entire 25-man roster in Jonathan VR. Uh, you're going to get position eligibility probably in center field as well. And even though I don't see him stealing as many bases or scoring as many runs last year, I do think that he is in a very solid position. And by the way, even if he gets traded, I think he'll end up in a good spot in August and September. I've got Ozzy Albies fourth. I am going to uh, any any player who had one great year. You know from me, from from any of my fantasy rankings or discussing fantasy, I'm always going to proceed with a little caution the following year. So that's what I'm going to do with Cattell Marte. If if you would have asked me who was who graded out as the top second baseman in fantasy last year, in my opinion, Marte was number one or number two. But I'm not going to trust that. I'm going to bump him down a little bit. I've got Whit Merrifield after that. You know exactly what you're getting from him. Also, Merrifield, a trade candidate, I would think, in July. So just keep that in mind. I love Max Muncie this year. I love the fact that he qualifies all over the diamond. I've got him sliding in here at 7, Jeff McNeil at 8, DJ LeMahieu at 9. And then for the same reasons, Frank, that you have Keston here a little bit, a lot higher than me, it's the same thing for me. A player that had a really good first year, a really good uh, debut with a team, I have to be a little bit careful of that in, in, in the second year of a player. I've seen it happen too many times before. A guy comes onto the scene, has three good months, then the following year, teams start to get video on the player. They start to focus more on what he does well and start to you know really mix up pitches. And you know these, these guys will get ahead of you, so he'll have some adjustments to make. So I'm going to be down a little bit more on Keston Hira. Still a starting second baseman for me in a 12-team league. I just have him at 10, and you have him at 5. 
Yeah, and I like Keston Hero this upcoming season. He comes with a prospect pedigree. I agree with what you said. I do have some hesitancy that, you know, obviously pitchers are going to change things up a little bit here against Keston Hero this upcoming season. But I just like his potential to hit 30 home runs in that ballpark, Miller Park. Solid lineup with Christian Yelich there as well. I think he's going to see, you know, pretty good pitches to hit, projected to hit right behind Christian Yelich uh, in that lineup as well. Uh, so I think you're going to get a similar batting average to, uh, to Glaber Torres out of Keston Hero. And you're going to get more speed. I think you're going to get like 12 to 15 stolen bases out of Kesson Hira. If you look at this guy's stat cast data, Craig, I mean, this guy is a stat cast darling. Third in average exit velocity among second basemen last year. Uh, fourth in average exit velocity on fly balls and line drives. He definitely has to cut down on the strikeouts. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but when we saw him come back up to the majors last year, uh, he did cut down those strikeouts. He cut down the swinging strikes as well. So uh, I do. I hear what you're saying when it comes to uh, pitch are going to approach him differently this upcoming season. I definitely have that in the back of my mind, but he just strikes me as someone because of that prospect pedigree. Uh, maybe I'm just you know willing to give him the benefit of the doubt here uh, and based on what I saw him do with the batted ball data in his first season here, Craig. Yeah, and I, and I think that offensively, there there isn't a lot of worry. And the other good news with Hura is that when you look around the diamond with all the players that they have lost, he really would have to fall completely flat in order to not get uh, maybe 600 plate appearances this year. When you consider uh, basically Mustakas being gone, first and third being a little bit iffy, I would say, at the very least. But the issue with Hura and something that they're going to have to sort out, now it didn't really show last year as much as some of the prospect analysts said it, it was the defense. And I know we don't pay a lot of attention to that, in fantasy, but when a player has struggles defensively, that you start to have them move around. And Frank, the one thing that I wouldn't want to see happen would be a situation similar to the player that we were talking about earlier in the show with Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who had all kinds of defensive issues early on. What did they do with him? Sent him to the minor leagues, brought him back as an outfielder, and then he had a lot of success. Now, I don't see the Brewers doing that. And by the way, the Brewers have zero spots in the outfield for anyone at this point. They don't even have a spot for Ryan Braun. So, Frank, I, I probably don't see that happening. I think you're going to get the plate appearances and the counting numbers. I just don't know exactly what they're going to be at the uh, at the end of the season. Now, uh, at 10, you have Mike Moustakis. And, and, you know, this is a really fascinating guy for me. He's someone that I want to make sure that I have in a couple of leagues. I just want any left-handed batters in the National League Central. You know, like they're playing in these parks that it just seems so easy to hit home runs out of. And I think even PNC Park, to a degree, right field is somewhere where uh, you saw Josh Bell do what he did last year. So uh, you have Moustakas in, in your top 10. And thinking this through a little bit, I probably should have him either in my top 10 or just outside it. I mean, his Vegas over-under number in terms of home runs is like 25, 26 home runs. My guess is this is a pretty good solid over on that. Yeah, for sure. I like that over call a lot when it comes to Mike Moustakas. Again, moving over from Miller Park to the Great American Small Park out there in Cincinnati. Uh, just really consistent, Mike Moustakas. 28 or more home runs in three straight seasons. He makes a ton of contact. He lifts the ball. A career 44.5% fly ball rate. Uh, and last year, uh, back to, he has back-to-back -back seasons over 41% hard contact rate. So he hits the ball hard. He puts it in the air. It's exactly what you want in Cincinnati. An improved lineup there as well. Nick Castellano 
Castellanos joins that lineup uh, as well. And he actually performed better against left-handed pitching last year than we have ever seen before. He had an 877 OPS against left-handed pitching last year. Uh, the reason why I have Mike Moustakis inside my top 10 and I don't have Max Muncie is because I think that they're going to give you similar power production here, Craig. And I think that Mike Moustakis is probably going to give you a little bit of a better batting average. If I'm projecting Max Muncie, he's probably in that 245 to 255 batting average range. And I think that Mike Moustakis can be a little bit better than that. Maybe 260, 265 this upcoming season. I love you know, just the upside and the projectability for Mike Moustakis hitting in that ballpark out there in Cincinnati, Craig. All right, tomorrow we will have our third base preview here on the show, and then on Friday we'll close out the week with shortstop. Next week we'll dive into each team, each player, and where we would project them for the 2020 fantasy baseball season. Also coming up a little bit later in the show, we're going to talk about some sleepers at first base, and as we've been doing over the past few weeks, we're going to dive into the NFBC average draft position. Today we're looking at players in between 600 and 700 and trying to find value of players that are taken in approximately 30% of the NFBC drafts thus far. Craig Mish along with Frank Stample. This is SportsGrid, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes and talk more about what is important winning-wise in fantasy baseball. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Frank Stample here on this Wednesday, February 19th, 2020. Great to be back with you here on the show. We're here till 1 o'clock on the East. And as Frank mentioned earlier in the show, I'm involved in a draft and hold league this year for Tout Wars. Maybe we'll dive into that in a little bit. It's uh, a slow draft, which I'm not a huge fan of, but there's no clock. So simply put, whenever a draft pick comes up, I get to jump in, make my pick, and I'm done. Um, last night, somebody picked Frank at like one o'clock in the morning. So naturally, I didn't make my pick until this morning. And we'll get into that a little bit uh, before we get into uh, Rob Manfred's comments. And I want to kind of transition that to fantasy. Are you a fan of a clockless slow draft? Are you good with one pick a day in fantasy? No, I think there should be a clock of some sort. I mean, it could be four hours, it could be two hours, one hour, whatever it might be, because either way, those are still going to be slow drafts, right? I mean, considering what we're used to, where it's like a minute per pick, uh, I think there should be some time limit. I don't think it should just be, all right, take as much time as you want, but I think the cap for that should likely be four hours. I believe that's what the NFB, the NFBC works with as well. They have a four-hour draft, a two-hour, a one-hour, and then a 30-minute uh, slow draft as well uh, per pick there. So I think there should be some time limit, uh, and I, I don't mind t- I'm only making one pick per day if that's the way that the draft plays out. That's perfectly fine, but I think there should be some time limit because then you end up getting people that take like a whole day here, Craig, and we can't have any of that. None of that. Right. You, you know, I don't, I don't even have a huge problem with that, and anybody who's done a slow draft with me uh, knows that in general, unless I'm working doing a show like this or in spring training, uh, at a ballpark, which has already happened, by the way, when we start this year, and I'm getting, you know, I'm sitting on a field trying to do an interview, and they're like, "It's your turn," you know. <laughs> I mean, there's there's not a lot that I could, there's not a lot I could do about that, but I am a fast drafter. 
I, I will never be last. I will never be first. Like I'll never be just refreshing all day. I'll be somewhere in the middle there. But I will tell you this before we move on. There is nothing worse when you have a clock or you have no clock and it's a slow draft than the guy in the draft who's saying, come on, hurry up, let's go, hurry up. Can we get this guy? Where is this guy? Let's hit, let's hit this guy. It's a slow draft. There's a reason why it's called a slow draft. And note to anyone who's doing that, who's in a chat room trying to hurry up the draft, you chose to be in the slow draft. This is your choice. So if you don't like it and you don't want to be in it, then get out. Now, look, there was one earlier in the season that I did, and I believe it was the, the with the guys from Pitcher List. And that draft was super slow also. And it was, honestly, a little annoying that it took so long to get done. But when you make this decision and you're abiding by the rules, which essentially say take as long as you want, then you got to live with it. That's the rule. That's that's the rules that were those are the rules that were set up, Frank. I agree completely. So, that was the know, that was the first exit velocity that I did here on the show was people complaining about the slow draft. Like you know what you sign up for, and I'm sure there's probably people in the chat room right now in the tout or draft. They're like, "Hey, you're on the clock. Oh, are. you're taking forever." Like, oh. dude, it's a slow draft. That's what it's supposed to be. It is. It is. It is. It is simply annoying. And uh, and yesterday I I, cl- I clapped back at him, <laughs> and I said, "Well, you know, maybe you know, maybe all this extra time." that you have can actually help you win a league because you've never won one before, you know, like just, just, just shut it. Uh, okay. So now, uh, kind of along those lines here, back to fantasy, Rob Manfred, uh, apologized for the comment that he made about the trophy being, uh, metal and, um, and look, and it was the right thing for him to do. Look, there's, there's no doubt at this point, the commissioner has not come off well over the last few weeks with all of this. I think we would have all liked to see some sort of player accountability here when we're seeing none. We really don't know what could end up happening with this. I mean, who knows, Frank? It may change, uh, and and I'm not really sure. But in the end, when we play fantasy as opposed to reality, a lot of different prizes are awarded at the end of the season. In some of the expert leagues, it is just simply about people knowing that you won an expert league, and that's it. That's all you get. In some other leagues that you play, maybe you get a trophy – Maybe you get in the Internet Hall of Fame for showing it. But beyond that, there's really not a lot except for, you know, just reminding people, Frank, to say, hey, remember when I won that 2015 labor? Like, I mean, I suppose that is a big deal because, I mean, it's an expert league and you're playing amongst your peers or the community and your peers. Now, on the flip side of that, since the adaption of the NFBC, which has really taken fantasy by storm in the last four or five years, and it's been going on longer than that, but let's say the last four or five years, there's a significant amount of money that's also at stake. And so you're getting a prize pool at the end. And I know for me personally, I've been uh, hosting an NL-only uh, league, a snake draft league, a rotisserie league of 10, 11, or 12 teams, depending on how many people are in it, for almost 20 years. And we raised the entry fee year after year after year to a point where it's now comfortable, where people can still afford to pay. But at the end, you're you're bringing home four figures of some kind to win a league. I mean, I, I think that over the course of six months, it has to be a pretty significant prize. So what it, Frank, what's more most important to you? And and look, I would love to win an expert league. I have not won one. In all the years that I've been doing this, I finished second once, second another time. I've never uh, been a winner in these, and I can fully be transparent with that and admit it. 
Uh, but I, I still got to tell you, Frank, in the end, if I had a choice to win money over an expert league, I, I mean, I'm still taking the money. I know the prestige is there, but I don't think that people really remember who's won these leagues before. I don't think they care. I have to agree with you here, man. Like, don't get me wrong. I just got invited to Tout Wars for the first time. Going to be participating in their head-to-head points auction league. Uh, and I would love to win that league. But if you're asking me would I rather win that league or win the top prize, let's just say first place in an NFBC league, which is going to be, you know, again, a four-figure payout there, or even potentially finishing somewhere in the overall prize. Again, the, the top prize for the main event is $150,000, Craig. I've got a wedding to pay for, man. I mean, people have expenses. And I don't know, for people who are out there watching or listening, if you know this, fantasy analysts are not wealthy people. We do this because we love it. I love to talk about fantasy. I love to be here doing this with you here, Craig. Uh, But we have expenses, man. So I'm with you. Like, give me the money 10 times out of 10 when it comes to, you know, the money versus the prestige. Again, like... I would love to win Tout Wars, but I can't even tell you who won the league last year. Or, you know, there's like six, seven different leagues now when it comes to Tout Wars. Uh, and I can't tell you who won those leagues, but I can, you know, I can say, say this. The guy who won the uh, the NFBC main event or whoever won their respective leagues, you know, they, they're able to, uh, you know, pay off things that they haven't, that they weren't able to pay off uh, in the past and, you know, put some of those expenses to rest. It's 100%, dude. Like, give me the money over over the prestige of, of Tout Wars or Labor, whatever it might be, and it's not a knock on them, but we need money out here, Craig. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and to kind of take it a step further, and I, and I think that here is maybe the difference of what I remember and know. So I've been participating in Tout Wars for almost 10 years, and I'll be in labor for the first time this year because they moved it to Florida. So it made it easier for me to draft. And that'll be a week from Sunday that I'll be in the, the mixed league auction. I, what I could tell you, Frank, is I could tell you who has performed well consistently in these leagues. And that, to me, is probably something that I, w- that I do know and I would remember. Like, I could give you the people and the names that do well every, le- every year. Uh, if somebody won one time in 10 years... Or if I won one time in 10 years, I wouldn't expect anybody to remember that because every once in a while, someone is eventually going to win a league. Uh, but but I, do, I do know the ones who are consistently involved and consistently at the top of these things. And I think that is probably a, a little bit of the, the uh, difference for me. So um, speaking of which, the league that is going on right now, as you mentioned, the uh, Tout Wars League. Now, you were trying to be funny and a little bit cynical ripping my team, which is fair. It's fair. But what what which picks did you not like? Where did I where did I fail you? You didn't like court. You didn't like Bumgarner. You didn't yeah. like Lynn. What, uh, what did I do wrong? I'm not a big Bumgarner guy. Yeah, I'm not a big Bumgarner Why guy. Not? I have skepticism Why when it not? comes to Lance Lynn as well. I mean, look at the career numbers uh, at home at Oracle Park when it comes to Madison Bumgarner. Now he moves over to Arizona, and I understand they have the humidor, and there was a bunch of data that was taken last year that shows that uh, Arizona is pretty much a pitcher's park at this point with the humidor. I worry about Madison Bumgarner leaving Oracle Park somewhere where he has pitched so well throughout his career, uh, and then Lance Lynn. It's similar, right? Like, he was awesome last year, but is he going to be able to repeat that? Someone that relies so much on the fastball in Lance Lynn, and and they move into a new ballpark. Uh, By all accounts, everything I've seen is that the new ballpark might actually help pitchers. So when it comes to Lance Lynn, you know, maybe you you get 200 solid innings out of him. Personally, I think I would have taken a shot on someone who 
maybe on a per start basis, per inning basis, could be better than these guys. Maybe they won't give you as much volume. Max Freed was the other one. Max Freed. Yeah. That's exactly who I was looking at. Like if you had Max Freed here, Craig, yeah. that would be a Frank Stanfield draft. I, I felt a li- that you'd get the stamp I, of approval. How about like- that, Craig? Oh, how about that? <laughs> I felt a little light on strikeouts, which is why I took um which is why I took Lance Lynn. I felt like I was getting a lot of predictability there. Let me tell you why I took Madison, uh, Madison Bumgarner, okay? The Diamondbacks are a very shrewd and sharp organization. I don't think that they would have thrown that money at Bumgarner had they thought that this guy can't play anymore. I, and, and, and honestly, that is where the reality goes into fantasy for me. Two years ago, they gave a long-term extension to Cattell Marte. We all looked at it and went, why in the world would they extend this guy? And by the way, he didn't do very well his first year after he gave that extension in Arizona. All of a sudden, now Cattell Marte is arguably one of the top five players at his position. Uh, I think Bumgarner fronting that rotation is going to be fine. I'm not really all that concerned with him. And again, this is where the reality part of it sticks into me. I think that the Diamondbacks uh, are a potential postseason team. I think they got a good shot there. Look, the Dodgers are going to be the class of that division. There's no question about it. But I think that Arizona is probably... At the very worst, a top five team in the National League. I think they have a chance to be the second best team in the National League. I really like what they've done, and they're a very smart organization. All right, uh, we'll take a quick timeout. we got the top of the hour. We'll bring in Dan Stratford for the latest going on with the Sports Grid News Update, and then we're back for the second hour of Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish and Frank Stample. Hope you guys are having a great morning. We turn to the afternoon in just a couple of minutes. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 